Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar series, Caring for Individuals with Alzheimer's Disease and Related Dementias. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live in the fall of 2015. This webinar series is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalyst and the American Geriatric Society and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care to Medicare Medicaid enrollees, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts, please visit resourcesforintegratedcare.com. In this podcast, Irene Moore, Professor of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Cincinnati, will explore the communication of Alzheimer's disease diagnosis and caregiving concerns. Thank you. What a great team and a wonderful lead-in to communicating with the caregiver and the actual individual with Alzheimer's disease. I have, t- I have four pearls that I want to share with you, and I'd like to begin with the first two. One is start where the patient or the caregiver is. And embedded in that is using open-ended statements. Examples of what I think of in open-ended is I would like for you to share with me as much as possible. Or something like, please describe. Or when you say your daddy's confused, please give an example of the behaviors your father actually exhibits. With all the medical appointments and television news and written information, the family, you are really the expert on your individual relative. Um, I wonder if you had to give a diagnosis what you think it might mean. And despite meeting with Dr. Callahan and Nurse Gallick, um, I'm always surprised when people say, thank goodness, after the evaluation, I learned that mother really doesn't have Alzheimer's, it's just ordinary dementia. Alzheimer's disease is a really hard word for some people to come to terms with. Um, So think of having a conversation to avoid excess questioning. In communicating the diagnosis, keep the focus on both the Alzheimer's individual and the caregiver. Naturally, professionals often focus comments and decision-making towards the caregiver and stop talking to the identified patient. Some professionals like to sit in order of themselves first, then the patient, and then the caregiver always keeping the patient in the middle. It's important to explain the importance of understanding the diagnosis to help develop a realistic plan. Another pearl is transparency. Give honest facts. And in transparency is preparation. Prepare the caregiver for exposure. The, the consequences of multiple caregivers. 
I recommend get a notebook and write down whom you talk to, the date, and their phone number. Conflicting views, points of views may emerge, but this is how we as professionals may work to build trust. Then later the caregiver said, will say, oh, that Dr. Callahan or Dr. Beth Gallick, she told me that this was going to happen. So prepare the caregiver for fragmentation of care. In further communication, allow the caregiver control to make decisions and meet the patient's needs, giving empathetic help to identify and respect their choices. In supporting the caregiver's coping skills, help to maximize their productivity and preserve their strengths. A wild goose chase or unprofessional handoff is highly frustrating to the caregiver and is a poor use of their limited energy and patience and the time they've taken off from work. And it displaces irritation into other levels of the caregiver's life, their role as a parent, their role as being an employee. Support the caregiver's advocacy for the patient in thinking what works. Examine the creation of unfair service barriers. Remember, care professionals will come and go, but the family caregiver is the one consistent team member. Remember, the caregiver is a crucial, consistent source of history across the time and caregiving settings. In talking to the individual with Alzheimer's disease, as we've mentioned, the importance of that individual's self-perceived abilities. One example noted regards driving. Um, I commonly hear from an Alzheimer's individual, I will stop driving when I believe I'm no longer safe on the road. However, in meeting with the family, there are unexplained dents on the car. At this point, getting the caregiver's perception also, would you allow, as the adult son, your younger children to ride alone with your father? Um, it's important to let the family give the answer. And this is common that the family will then say, um, well, no, I wouldn't ride with him. And that opens the door to driving safely. And it's in really critical here to get the buy-in from the family first before making recommendations. There's nothing worse than recommending to someone to stop driving and other family members are saying uh, opposite. Um, they need to drive. Their driving's not so bad. He can see better than me and that sort of thing. So think about what would be real help. What social workers may recommend just may not fit with the patient's perception of needed services. But think liberation with smart, in-home, creative technology, dignified digital sensors, 
all the way to basic grab bars and old-fashioned gadgets like baby monitors help to promote in-home safety. As clinicians, we have lots of forms and paperwork that we want to complete. But please remember, starting where the patient is, does the patient know the reason for the assessment? Despite time restraints, always prepare the patient for the next step. And use reassurance, like we're all in this together, you've been for an assessment, you've seen Dr. Callahan, if something comes up that will be helpful, you'll hear about it. Your family is standing by. Remember to listen to the patient when discussing the diagnosis. And the demographics, from my personal and professional experience, the most cost-effective Alzheimer's disease intervention is the empowered caregiver. And caregivers come in all different shapes and sizes. And there are many different ways to be a caregiver. For instance, looking at sons, they often focus on the legal and business aspects of caregiving. Um, it takes a lot of diligence to do that paperwork for a disabled or an older adult. Um, not everyone has to do non-personal or not everyone has to do personal care. This non-personal care is really critical in remembering the informal network of family, neighbors, and the faith community. All are caregivers. The fact that this diverse audience is taking so much time for this topic will make a compelling difference in the lives of caregivers and their family members. To reemphasize the pearls which were embedded in my comments, start where the patient and the caregiver are. Secondly, remember not one size fits all. Use open-ended statements. Third, get the buy-in for each patient. There's some help that can be given despite the inevitable. And the communication very clearly with the caregiver um, may be contacted to set up services by many, many different callers. So care managers are often the point person and are proactive in setting up services. Ensure that the services are dignified. Above all, we want to avoid putting already stressed people through hoops. Why bother to refer to services that the patient or the caregiver don't really want? We want to help caregivers honor old promises, like I'd never move you to a nursing home. We first need to know what the patient and the caregiver's wishes were 
So we may avoid trying to convince them to embrace the plan that only we as the professional believe is best. So objectively, please look at the caregiver and the patient's actual situation. Will the services be acceptable? In thinking of the special considerations when working with families and caregivers, we like to consider ethnic diversity, health literacy, and the previous relationship with the caregiver and patient. So first with ethnic diversity, as we see on the next slide, ethnic diversity may inhibit the caregiver's comfort in asking for clarification. A side effect of this will be the caregiver agreeing when honestly they do not understand or agree with the clinician. Remember the transitions of care to include fundamental cultural expectations. Particularly in the Hispanic and Asian culture, the spokesperson or decision maker for the family may not be the primary caregiver. Next, in considering health literacy, many patients or caregivers may not ask questions in order to keep their lack of understanding private. With limited health literacy, please remember the more confusing the choices are, the more confusing it may be for the caregiver. The patient and caregiver will need all the help they can get in navigating the system. It's important to avoid jargon while every professional discipline has its own language. Remember to use plain English. Some older Hispanics, for example, don't read in Spanish and many dual eligibles aren't online, but their children may be. Written educational materials must be at the fourth grade reading level. And consider the previous relationship between the caregiver and the Alzheimer's individual. A common statement that you may hear is, my older sister was mother's favorite, but now I'm the responsible person. Or previous patterns and strategies for coping with the trauma are direct predictors for how this family will deal with an Alzheimer's disease diagnosis. Understand bias, understand Alzheimer's, understand, most importantly, the caregiver and the patient's experience. Ask about past family history of coping with Alzheimer's disease or late life memory problems. In assisting with caregiver response to the diagnosis of Alzheimer's, recognize fear. In terms of understanding the family, the fear of uncertainty 
how long is this going to last, how bad is it going to be, for many families is the biggest burden to bear. Acknowledge that this is new information for the family and they must kindly hear it more than once and in different ways. Understanding Alzheimer's disease may ex can assist with coping and response, especially the slow course. And caregivers need clear guidance to assist with their specific situation. Assisting the caregiver provide timely services and accurate resource information. Anticipate the caregiver's need to relinquish. However, for many caregivers, the thought of relinquishing even the most highly burdensome task is extremely difficult. Uh, I, as a caregiver, always felt nobody could powder my mother's feet as good as I could. Assist the caregiver as a cornerstone to maintaining a successful plan of care and, main, and help them maintain control of their lifestyle and personal environment. In thinking about resources, there are many. And here are two of my favorite. Um, the Alzheimer's Association, I don't know that there's much they don't do. They are a tremendous resource um, at all levels of this journey with Alzheimer's disease. And they're always expanding to develop new initiatives for care of the Alzheimer's individual and their family members. The Elder Locator um, is a wonderful resource that is tried and true. It's been around for many years in helping uh, caregivers locate services for their geographically removed family members. And the Alzheimer's Disease Education and Referral Source Center, again, excellent, and the National Institute of Neurologic Disorders. Uh, as noted on the resources for integrated care website is a whole listing of dementia resources posted there. Thank you. For more information about this webinar series and other resources, including videos and podcasts, please visit resourcesforintegratedcare.com and follow us on Twitter at integrate underscore care.